0: from the depths of sorrows and craziness from quarterbacks leaving the school and transferring to the rejoicing of one of the most mediocre quarterbacks in LSU history, sending his son here. (laughs) And a very awkward dance, very awkward. The dance does nothing for me, making me feel better about the quality of this hire.
1: Yeah, I saw the dance. Um, I mean, I don't know what he would like at uh notre dame so maybe this is just how he is um yeah that means nothing to me uh now the five stars by walker howard's name that means something particularly when you've only got one scholarship quarterback so there is something but uh i don't know uh i'm i'm trying to like give this i'm Giving him the benefit of the doubt, because again, if it was just football, this is a good hire. I think this is a good hire. I think he can do, he's, he's, he's what I think the program would need if he was just another person with the football stuff.
0: I mean, the city's going to collectively lose its mind over the next few days until the signing class is finally done and, and they can judge it one way or the other, Um first recruiting classes after a hire new hire are always a struggle just generally based on on things and this is why I think you hear more more um more calls for the early signing period to move back to January or to go back to doing it all on one day because uh it's sped up the timeline of coaching hires and then it's sped up the timeline of you know kids committing and decommitting and entering into the portal and the whole deal um Ultimately, I think the exodus of players is to be expected. The, the, that's just what happens during a coaching change. Just amplified uh, when it's this number of kids. And it's this kind of quality of kid um, that's leaving. And there's really not much LSU can do about that right now.
1: No, and, uh, I don't think any of that should have any, like, it shouldn't play any part in it, how anybody feels about this right now um uh, and actually as far as i can see um everybody kind of fell in line on this real quick because you know when when he got announced the second he got announced all the reactions i saw were overwhelmingly negative and within like two hours you just started seeing people fall in line i'm not there there are people that were like enthusiastic the whole time or were like neutral at the beginning and slowly came around after hearing more and more things but uh there were people that were overwhelmingly negative that they just fell in line behind everybody else we're like the outliers and i'm not necessarily trying to be negative i just have negative (laughs) tiger i just have reservations about this this dude i but i think i think if he does the things that he's done everywhere else he will, he will be successful.
0: Chad, do you know why Saban is, like, Saban was burning people out at the end of his time here at LSU. Like, there was administrative people who were just ready to, ready to move on. Um, do you know why he can be that way and stay employed and get 10-year contracts and be the highest-paid employee in the state of Alabama and no one says anything?
1: Because he just wins all the time?
0: Exactly. If you win, it covers for a multitude of sins. Like you can yell at the secretary and make her cry every other day, and no one's going to make a big deal out of it because you're winning and going to the playoff every year and you're competing for national championships every year. Think about the fact that if he wins another one this year, it'll be the second time in his time at Alabama he's gone back-to-back. And not only that, but it'll be seven, was it seven or eight championships in 15 seasons at Bama. Half of the seasons that man's been employed at that university, they played for a national championship in football. That's nuts. Like that, that kind of success will never happen again. And so, yeah, you can be a grading a-hole and no one's going to care, but if you're, you know, nine and six or or not nine and four, people are going to care. I mean, look at Dan Mullen, Dan Mullen won a whole bunch of games at Florida, had a really good record at Florida. He was doing really good things, but he had one losing season and things kind of started to fall apart around him with the university and the administration taking, a, you know, checking out on him, basically. And they made a change, you know, after one bad season. I mean, it, you can if you're winning all the other ancillary stuff kind of gets shoved away. It comes to the forefront when you're you know, not. Winning.
1: I think that's the that's the gamble. I mean, that's the gamble with any. Uh, coaching change is are you going to get somebody are you going to replace the person you're letting go with somebody that's going to be a winner and I think the thought with this particular hire is this guy with all of the skins on the wall with all of his organizational skills and his being touted as a very good coach and not just a good coach uh, he has a specialty on the side of the ball and he is generally thought of as a good overseer of a program the thought is that this guy can be nobody's going to be Nick Saban but he can be in that same vein that is the gamble on this hire and it could work it really could work and you know maybe Brian Kelly softened up just a little bit but kept all those other things and will become endearing at least to LSU fans but keep all of his same management styles and is able to uh, take it up a notch because he is recruiting at LSU and has all of that advantage. And if that, all that happens, then
0: well, LSU I mean, should the be where my
1: things. The,
0: the argument from Hannah Griff and others is basically, if you look at the last three years of recruiting under Ogeron, the classes slipped. they weren't top five recruiting classes. They weren't top 10 in some cases, weren't even top 10 recruiting classes. And so when the, the greatness of the great recruiting classes, that eight, that uh, twenty. 17, 2018 recruiting class. When those guys faded away, the 19, the 18, 19, 20, and 21, the 18, 19, and 20 classes had basically no production at of them. And so you went from having a buttload of talent in depth to having very little talent and no depth. And so the problem when you bring in a new coach, regardless of who it is, is now they've got to restack the roster, and that takes a couple of cycles. And the way that everything's been sped up, you got to hit the ground running as soon as you get hired because of the early signing period. And I just don't see a way for him to put together a top 15 recruiting class or a top 10 or two recruiting class out of this cycle. Um, you know. And I don't think it's fair to judge him on the cycle. You judge him on next year's cycle. And if we're sitting here a year from now, getting ready for another Texas Bowl or Music City Bowl, and his recruiting class is top five people be okay but if we're sitting here a year from now and he's you know going to the texas bowl the music city bowl and he's not got a great recruiting class we're gonna have some panic on our hands and that's just the way that it is because eventually that talent gap has to be restocked
1: right right well i know we can go in we should probably go into like some of the decisions he's made with coaching and stuff but before we do that i want to turn just a little bit uh, to really like show like why my hesitancy with this hire and it, well, it has a lot to do with Brian Kelly. Most of it has to do with the man that hired Brian Kelly. And I know people love uh, Scott Woodward's like track record and big game hunting Scott and all that crap.
0: And, and he, he still has friends here from 20 years ago when he was here on campus. Baton Rouge kid sold peanuts in the stadium, the whole deal. That's his whole, his whole all shucks,
1: you know, deal. It's, it's a great story. Um, I mean, his, his hires so far at LSU have seemed to be home runs. He's, he's hired him. He's hired Kim Mokey, who I had, I had and still have reservations about, but she's a hell of a coach and I've heard her on the radio and I understand why everybody loves her the way that they do so that one seems that one's probably going to pay dividends uh people have people came around on jay johnson real quick and it's and before we've even played anything he seems to be doing all the right things my thing with scott woodward is um like the whole search seemed to be he couldn't get it wasn't just about getting the best football coach it was getting the biggest name football coach to make the biggest splash. And everybody kept saying that. And that was like his MO, which is fine. And he did, he came around and got Brian Kelly, but also in that everybody kept saying that he would not leave. He could not leave Jumbo Fisher alone. Jumbo Fisher was all like, he hired him once. All the way up
0: until November. If you believe the reports all the way up to November.
1: Like the, like the Thursday before LSU, LSU beat them, he was still getting calls about it. And to me, I understand Jimbo Fisher has a – he has a Heisman winning quarterback on his resume. He has, like, first-round quarterbacks. He's putting the league on his resume. He's got a national championship on his resume. But since Jameis left at Florida State, he has been a very mediocre coach. The only thing that separates – I mean – the, the reason he still talks about that same echelon is because he's won a national championship. Uh, he, at Barham, like, okay, he's been consistent, but his consistent has been, we're only getting third in the West at most. That's it. And we're probably going to bottom out before that. We They've had their best team, Granted, right? it was COVID year, uh, only lost that one game, but they were in, They were in a dogfight with LSU, and LSU was crap. This year was supposed to be the year, granted, his quarterback went out, but he's the quarterback whisperer, and to give him some credit, Calzada did look to improve through the year. But that being said, because with that being said, that team still lost to LSU, who was not good. I mean, the damn quarterback that won the game is now gone. I don't see the fascination with Jimbo Fisher and because it's so clear that he values Jimbo so much as a coach when I don't think Jimbo is worth a fraction of what he's trying to do. I think, I think Brian Kelly is a way better hire than Jimbo would have ever been, but the fact that his fascination with Jimbo has remained through the whole thing makes me question everything about him. It, the, the whole gotta make a splash and fascination with Jimbo makes me question everything about what he does, particularly with the football hire. I think he's going to fall ass backwards into success because of Brian Kelly. But if it goes wrong, it's all because Scott doesn't, when it comes to football here, he doesn't know how to pick. Again, people can listen to this and then later in life, come back and throw it in my face when Brian Kelly wins like three national championships and they'll cut out the first part where I said I think he's going to fall ass backwards into success because he hired Brad Kelly.
0: Give me one second. So, um, so the Florida State Seminoles won the national championship in 2013. Okay. Uh
1: huh.
0: The following the following season is a 13 and one season with the playoff berth in 2014. Uh, after that is a Peach Bowl. Uh, 13 and one in the uh, in the Rose Bowl in in 2014. In 2015, he's 10 and three. In 2016, he's 10 and three. In 2017, in his last season at Florida State, he is five, and six. So uh, after the national championship, 13 and one, 10 and three, 10 and three, five and six. And his time at at Texas m The 2018 season, he's nine and four. Twenty nineteen season, he's eight and five. Twenty twenty, he's nine and one. And twenty twenty-one, he's eight and four. So you've gone from ten wins a year to eight to nine wins a year by changing conferences, essentially. <laughs> and his his last uh, bowl game appearances, um Rose Bowl, Peach Bowl, Orange Bowl, and the team who was responsible for was an Independence Bowl, and then Gator Bowl, Texas Bowl, Orange Bowl, Gator Bowl.
1: It just seems very mediocre to me. I mean, yes, there is, there is twenty twenty again. It's COVID year, but even still, they couldn't achieve anything because they the one game they lost. What's the one team they couldn't lose it
0: to. So let's address the elephant in the room. Let's address Tommy Moffitt. Um, because it caused a lot of consternation last Sunday when the word came down that he was officially gone. And here's the thing. I have personally thanked the Moffitt family for their service to LSU and to the athletic department and the football program for the last 20 years. But the truth, the truth of the matter is, honestly, Tommy Moffitt benefited from the fact that he was on Saban's staff. Les came in, he was told to keep Jimbo and he ended up keeping uh, Tommy. And then after Les was gone, obviously him and O were buddies. And so he kept, kept him on. This is the first time really since Saban was here that they've hired someone from the outside. Like, yeah, they hired they hired uh, Miles from Oklahoma State, but they hired him with, like, regulations. Like, you have to keep Jimbo. You have to keep this guy. You have to keep that guy. So this is the first time in 20 years he's had to, like, somebody else has come in from the outside. And so I kind of feel like this was him wanting to bring his guy in from Notre Dame. I don't think this was a knock on Tommy Moffitt. I don't think it was a knock on, knock on the on the strength and conditioning of the student-athletes. I just think this was, you know, him wanting to bring his own guy in. And then, of course, you get to the conversation of which high school, LSU, uh, high school, Louisiana high school recruiting coordinator do you want? Do you want Frank Wilson or do you want Corey Raymond? I mean, that was a decision that O made. It was a decision Les made. Like, it's a decision Brian <laughs> Kelly had to make, and he made it. You know, it, it surprised some people, but that's ultimately the decision that he made.
1: Well, with uh, with Moffitt, I don't want to uh, discredit him to the fact of I don't think you discredit him, but he, whenever I would wonder if it was time to time me off Moffitt to go, it was there was always somebody trying to get him to go. Notably, uh, the little red man in Tuscaloosa, and if you, there was a point that the strength and conditioning staffs across the SEC were littered with people that started under time Moffitt. Uh, and everything I've heard about him it was like it wasn't like he was being stagnant. he was always trying to innovate, trying to do new things so he deserved everything he got. and it, you know it was 20 years and it's this is a uh, for for most of us this is the, a the first time of a true regime change Les came in he kept some parts from Nick. Les gets fired. Oh, keeps stuff from Les. Mike Kelly's coming in, and yeah, he's going to keep some coaches. Uh, you do need the, uh, the institutional awareness, the institutional knowledge. But this is starting completely over. So I, I hate it for Tommy Moffitt because I think, I, I think he's gotten a lot of unjust uh, daggers thrown his way the last few years. I don't think he's, I don't think he's let up on what he's doing, but you know, it's time, it was time to try something new. So I'm not knocking that part. As far as Corey goes, um, I have like full disclosure. While I've never met Corey, my dad and Corey's dad work together and they know each other and they've known each other for a long time. So I feel a certain kindred with Corey. So I always want to see him do well and succeed with him. Uh, scona was on one of like on one of the shows he was on. I think he kind of summed up the whole situation perfectly. Uh, Corey's LSU through and through. He came here. He played here. He G8 here. He came back to coach here. I remember when he came back to coach here, people thought he came back. Uh, he came, he was at a lower tier school. He basically GA went to a lower tier school, maybe went to Nebraska for a little while for something, and then came back. And they thought it was too early in his career to be back coaching DBs at LSU. Here we're almost ten years later, and people were upset when he left. Uh, but I think it was in a position that Corey LSU through and through LSU knew that, and they kind of undervalued him uh, and you knew that he had that certain loyalty, so they kind of kept using that. When it came to this time, I think it was a buildup of, um, from the stories we've heard, when, uh, when Bill Bush was brought in to coach safety, that was the decision by Dave Aranda, who wanted someone in the secondary that understood what he was trying to do, which seems to say that he and Corey weren't eye to eye on certain things. And splitting up that position group, Corey didn't love. So, also with that, um, we've got new coaches come in, uh, specifically in the last year, not as experienced as Corey, but making more money than Corey. And I know a lot of people are always quick to jump and say, but he's the highest paid defensive backs coach. So what? Um, Brad Davis came in as an old line coach. I think he's making like 800K. Corey's making six and he just got the six like and cory's been here for years cory knows knows his place cory brings in the people you can see the track record of the people he's coached and you don't bump him up to at least that level so when i think when kelly hired frank and cory saw the kind of money he was making i think cory wanted it's a at at this point it's a matter of respect it's like can I get that same respect can I get an additional title can I get more money I don't care if I'm the DB coach you've got other coaches making more than me and you show me that you'll pay them why not me and LSU balked and Corey called their and Corey called their bluff and he left I think it I think that's it's It's as simple as that. I really don't know how much Brian Kelly had to do with that outside of maybe not wanting to give him the title. But I think a lot of these things were in motion. A lot of these things were set up before he even got here. So I don't really knock him for the Corey thing um, per se, but I, I knock LSU and LSU should have done the right thing and show that they did value Corey. And they didn't, so he left.
0: And he left with another guy who doesn't feel valued or respected by Louisiana state university.
1: Yeah. um, If y'all didn't know, whenever we play Florida, Billy Napier is going to go out of his way to show you that you made the wrong move by not hiring him. It couldn't work out. It could work out. It could not, It could, we don't know how this is going to turn out. But Billy Napier is going to try his damnedest to show LSU every time we play that they made a mistake.
0: Indeed. I just think it's a compounding issue with the assistance and the staffing. I think it's a compounding issue.
1: Um,
0: you know, it just, it's, it's the whole thing that makes it look, that causes the panic
1: basically. Yeah. Uh, Oh, wow. Bo Nix is transferring.
0: Uh, does not surprise me. Generally uh, speaking, the reason that, uh, TJ Finley is at Auburn is because of, uh, you know, they they expressed the new staff expressed a desire to have him start. So, and the fact that he started the Alabama game, um, just kind of signaled to me that they were kind of done with Bo.
1: I thought Bo, wait, wait, Finley started the game. I thought Bo got hurt.
0: I thought I thought Finley started the game. That was that was the impression I was
1: given. I know Bo got hurt at some point. I don't remember if. Finley might have started that game. I think Bo might have got hurt the game before.
0: Yeah, they, they were back and, back, back and forth to the back half of the year because the LSU game was the high watermark for, for Bo.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at a clip from it right now. We, LSU had no business losing them, dude. They sorry. And I say that knowing that LSU is sorry, but uh, I, re- I thought he would have still when he started so much during the season, I just didn't see TJ beating him out and it would have been his last year anyway, but okay. Especially since he's a legacy kid.
0: Yeah. You know, what's interesting to me, Chad, the fact that Debo Sweeney has no more assistants, both of his, finally both his defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator are now head coaches in college football. So now he has to go replace his OC and DC after 10 years. Now he's got to make two big hires after one of the most, more, more disappointing seasons uh in the last
1: 10 years yeah um people are gonna find out a whole lot about clemson i i don't think i don't think clemson's done but if they are this is the start of it uh, we'll find out if if uh Debo's really as coordinator, dependent as some of the other CEO type coaches, um, I don't know. I'm 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 curious to see their next their next step, their next progression, and who's he who he's going to hire, or maybe he jumps ship too. I don't know.
0: Well, there's not really a job open anymore for him to jump to, and everybody's belief has been the one job. He would jump to is the one down in Tuscaloosa that ain't exactly coming open right now. So, you know.
1: Everybody I I I mean, I don't know a whole bunch of people in Alabama, but every person I know from Alabama does not want Devil to come on down. So and and they actively say he won't come down. So I don't know. And who really wants to be the guy to follow? He's that the only
0: guy? one who could. He's the only one with the track record. He's the only one with the experience provided that he, you know, recovers from these two coordinator losses and actually re- keeps the program on track. Like he's the only one with the track record to, to, to replace him. You know, anybody else is just going to be the guy who directly follows Bear Bryant who just for like two years and then gets fired, you know, yeah. that that's, you know, and they've got a solid athletic director over there, but I mean, How do you put together that search? How do you put together the search for the guy who's won seven national championships at your school?
1: Um, If I'm the AD, I walk into whoever I answer to and and just be straight up with them. Like, look, I don't know who the hell I'm about to get in here, but uh, whatever happens with them, you can't hold it against me. You, You know who we're about to try to replace. Just be prepared for all of that.
0: Well, We could also be in the very tricky situation of Nick Saban choosing his own replacement um, because Saban could potentially become athletic director after he
1: retires. So, Knowing that he recommended that uh, Houston Nutt take the LSU job once he left, I'll take that bet. Come on.
0: Hey, Houston would have worked out here to a certain extent. I mean, that was when Houston was in his heyday and he was recruiting Darren McFadden and and Felix Jones, and those type of Casey Dick, and those kind of athletes.
1: So so he had that, that one time, and then what happened after that?
0: Yeah, those old Miss teams were kind of competitive.
1: Um, need I remind you how the LSU old Miss game ended in 2011? How, his uh, 70 to song? nothing? Oh yeah, uh, it should have been more than that, because Mettenberger scored.
0: And he, and he nailed, kneeled on the one-yard line four times?
1: Yeah, a- after he scored, and they and they said he didn't score, and Les was like, That's too much, and he made him kneel it out four times, which is way worse than actually scoring. Indeed.